Hey, good morning, church. Um, just going to invite our guest speaker, uh, Aaron Cranton, can come and join me up here. Um, we, as a church, support a lot of different missions organizations, both locally and around the world. Uh, I know uh, this past summer we had opportunity to hear from Paul Garricky, who's in Romania, who's able to share his heart with us about his ministry there. And we reflect oftentimes on missions uh, in a way where we think about the global uh, missions terrain and all the different countries and places missionaries find themselves. Well, this morning, uh, we are just so blessed to have Aaron Cranton with us, who's uh, representing a, a mission a lot closer to home. Uh, Aaron has started and has been working um, in the Old Strathcona area, uh, working amongst uh, some of our city's most vulnerable and needy uh, in the, with the homeless there. Um, I grew up in the Old Strathcona area. My first job was at a coffee shop on White Avenue. Um, and I can remember a part of my employee training was, what do you do when uh, someone who is intoxicated comes into the coffee shop? How do you interact uh, with the homeless in the community? Uh, and there were homeless men and women on the streets that I would come to know by name uh, while working um, at White Avenue. And we also know in our city, just been hearing about the, the growing needs uh, to serve the homeless community. Uh, those have been just growing over the past few years as we think about the state of downtown, different things like that. So uh, Aaron is someone who, uh, as TCC, as a church, we have recently brought him and his ministry into our uh, support. And so uh, it is a blessing to hear from him this morning, not only about his ministry, but also to hear him um, open up the word of God for us. So please join me. I just want to pray for Aaron uh, to, to open up his time with us, and then I'll read uh, the scripture for us um, out of Isaiah chapter 58. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for Aaron. I thank you, Lord, for um, just his testimony, the ways that you have worked in his life, the ways that you have led him, the ways that you have broken his heart for the homeless and vulnerable. Lord, people that I'm sure many of us often just pass by. And Lord, thank you for the ways that you have provided and, and led him to begin this ministry. Uh, and Lord, thank you for the seeds that it sows and the fruit that it is bearing. And Lord, as he stands before us this morning and opens up your word for us, we just invite your spirit to speak powerfully through him. And Jesus, we pray that you would open up our ears, our hearts, to receive what you have for us this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Be our teacher and our guide. And Lord, thank you so much for Aaron. Just empower his words. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Our reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 to 8. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, thank you, brothers and sisters, for inviting us to be here, for inviting me to um, share what God's put on my heart eight years ago. Um, yeah, and uh, it's a privilege to be here. I'm here with my friend, my brother in Christ, my colleague, Dennis, my fellow missionary. And um, 
Yeah, my example, as I, as I uh, share what God's put on my heart, many of my examples will be regarding about uh, the street mission, the context of the street mission. But it's also my, my uh, hope that you'll be affirmed and encouraged to... to uh, we're all called to help the poor, but we, God has a, a mission for all of us. And I'm hoping that by the end of the message that you'll be encouraged and, or affirmed, if you're already stepping out in mission, to uh, follow what, where God is calling you with the giftings he's given you and the experiences that he's given you. Um, so about eight, um, so actually my wife Wanda and I, we came to faith at an ABA church, McKernan Baptist Church, about nine years ago now. And um, during about a year and a half into going to church at McKernan, I felt called to go work at uh, volunteer at the Mustard Seed. And uh, so I volunteered there for about a year, and then I ended up working at our local shelter, the, the local Mustard Seed drop-in at, um, in Old Strathcona for a, about another year. But I felt a sense that while I was working there, that God was calling me to go meet our neighbors who, were, who are experiencing homelessness where they're at, not just physically, but emotionally and uh, spiritually as well. So I left the mustard seed. I learned how to step out in, in ministry, and God uh, certainly blessed, blessed, um, blessed me with, with the resources at that time. So I started uh, working full-time with the, um, with the street outreach mission in Old Strathcona. So Dennis and I we, and our volunteers, um, we go out on a daily basis from Monday to Saturday during the daytime, full-time, and we're a ministry of relationships. So we step out, we go walking around Old Strathcona, in and around White Ave, in the alleys and on the street, and we connect relationally and emotionally and spiritually with our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. We don't carry a backpack. We're not about handing out sandwiches and, and gift cards and, and this type of thing. Praise God, there's a lot of that already, right, in, in our city. But there's a lack of real connection and on a relational level. And so that's what we focus on. We, um, we only go in pairs. Uh, we depend on Holy Spirit to bring us uh, to a level of intimacy with our friends on the street, many of whom we know and uh, are in the process of having relationships with. Many of them we have very deep friendships with. And, of course, there's always new people coming onto the street from the, north, from the downtown core or from the, uh, wherever. And uh, so we only go in pairs. We're joined by um, volunteers frequently, several times in a, in a week. And um, we work out of actually Knox Church in Old Strathcona. We have a, um, a, a partnership with them. They provide us with space. But the congregation is um, more motivated by the, this relationship where they can partner with us as well. So when we're in the process of determining what that looks like and letting God develop that momentum in that, um, that partnership. So the scripture that we just read, that Pastor Adam just read, I'm going to use this as a springboard into what um, God's calling me to share with you right now. 
Is not Isaiah 58, is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, I want to stop there. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, earlier in that scripture it says, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. So if we see at the beginning of that scripture, we're called for to some relief work, right? To clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into our home. I know not all translations and interpretations use that, but ESV does. Bring the homeless poor into your home? What? So that's the relief work. But in this scripture, it's calling us to do a lot more. It's calling to pour ourselves out, to be known. Our neighbors on the street, their, their situation, they're, they're a, lot of, a lot they have background and they, of course, complex human beings. Their life is an open book, isn't it? There's not a lot of privacy. We can see that they're under the or we can see when they're sad. But for us, when we come up and, 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 and interact or walking around, it's up to us to have a desire to have a willingness to be known, to share something about ourselves as well. That could even be just sharing our name at the beginning of, a, of an interaction. Because when we start to have a desire to share ourselves, then we can begin to enter into what I call mutually vulnerable relationships. And as far as we're concerned, that's how a really, really great way of honoring and glorifying God, to enter into mutually vulnerable relationships with one another. So when Dennis and I are on the street and, and with our other team, we don't have a we 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 don't have a posture. We work really hard at at not having a posture of being the sober white guys with all the answers. Dennis and I, we both have uh, addictions in our past, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, and we're both recovered alcoholics and and drug addicts. And um, yeah, we're complex human beings as you are all as well. And so we bring that, we have a lot, we bring that when we go down the street and we encourage our volunteers to also develop that heart posture as well. Also that, that phrase, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, it also seems to suggest that 
social justice isn't an isolated occurrence for us as God's people, but that rather it's a way of life for us. And then the scripture continues. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness. What's the light that we have? God's light, Jesus' light. Shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom will be as the noonday, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire for scorched places. So our gloom. So what we found in, in stepping out in ministry that God is working in our own heart as well. So quite often during the interactions that we have with our, our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, is we're asking Holy Spirit to show us where Jesus is at work in that person's life and in that interaction, but also in our own hearts as well. Shining his light where on our heart and mind and body and soul where he wants to work on some things with us. And by having that posture, that keeps us vulnerable. That's what helps us to grow in the image of Jesus. And then the scripture continues with, with um, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. In John seven thirty eight, he writes, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And in John 4, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them shall never thirst. I'm making myself thirsty here. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So from the website quenched.org. So what is living water? Living water can be understood in various ways. But the clearest way is that living water is a symbol for salvation and a true knowledge of God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God provides us with everything we need and is the living water that continues to always give to us. So because of these mutually vulnerable relationships that we enter into, trusting friendships develop. And we found that in these friendships, very real friendships, our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, who are living on the street, often start to express to us very candidly and intimately, a desire to change their circumstances. So then Dennis and I, and the people that join us, directly and through other organizations, we help those people, we help our friends in their circumstances. We help them with their addictions. We help them in, in, um, in, in gaining, gaining relief from those addictions, mental health issues, um, help with housing, help with food, help spiritually. We invite them to come to Sunday service with us. We pick them up. We invite them into our homes. We are friends with them. 
And when they go into those, when they go into detox or, or to treatment or into um, psychological care, our friendship doesn't end there. We continue the journey with them as friends do. So I want to go back to bring the homeless poor into your house. So including our home is part of the mission field. So our home means a few different things for me. It means definitely where I live, where Wanda and I and our son Kip live. It's our security. It's someplace that, that's ours that we can be together as a family. That's one home. But we're just stewards of that home. Ultimately, that place that I call home, that house that we call home, that belongs to God. And we're just stewards. Another home is the church. So bringing people into the church, not just as part of a congregation to, to hear the Sunday message, but to really be, become part of the body, the church. Being involved in all kinds of things that go on. Being involved in, in, in the worship. Serving. Another home, as far as I'm concerned, is the heart. And I think it can be argued that the, the, the heart is the command center of us. God lives in our heart. And so allowing people into our heart and not being afraid to, to go to those places, because go to those places that are uncomfortable and challenging because, yeah. The Jesus way isn't about being safe and comfortable. It's about lives transformed. So this ministry, the Street Outreach Mission in uh, Old Strathcona, it's a ministry of invitation. It's becoming obvious, I'm sure. It's becoming obvious to, to Dennis and I on a daily basis. And it's an invitation to enter into relationships with one another in a way that God wants. And that includes a relationship with God. Working on fulfilling a, a deeper reconciliation with our Creator. So Dennis and I, when we go out on the street, we really rely on the Holy Spirit to take us. From the minute that we get out of our vehicles, because quite often there's people waiting in around the church, waiting to meet with us. As soon as we go into the parking lot, sometimes even on the way to work, Dennis drives a, a, a vehicle that's um, uh, quite prevalent, and there's often people waving at him as he's driving and also other gestures sometimes, too, to him as he's driving by. But um, so we rely on the Holy Spirit heavily. And what we barely know what we're doing. And I don't say that with false humility. I re, we, how can we? We have different, at, different at interactions at different times of the day. Sometimes one person that we've been close to for five years is now... We see them that afternoon, they're having a bad day, a relapse, 
a relapse in their mental health issues, usually all of the above, and they don't want to talk to us. Sometimes they swear at us. So we don't know how to interact. We can't premeditate how we're supposed to interact and where we're supposed to go even, what alley we're supposed to turn right to or turn left to. But what we do know, we do know is that we're just being called to love on people. That's all we're doing out there is loving on people. And it's not complicated, really. It's about trusting God as he unfolds the roadmap and taking a step forward, building trust, and moving forward as he unfolds the roadmap a little bit more. That being said, Jesus did tell the apostles, I am sending you out like a sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. From GodQuestions.org, most people don't mind having their character compared rather, to a dove's purity and innocence. But some people recoil at the image of a serpent, no matter what the context. They can never see a snake in a good light, even when used by Jesus as a teaching tool. We cannot attach the evil actions of Satan as the serpent with the serpent itself. Animals are not moral entities. The creature itself cannot perform sin. And shrewdness is an asset, not a defect. This is a quality that Jesus told his disciples to model. Jesus was not suggesting that we stoop to deception, but that we should model some of the serpent's famous shrewdness in a positive way. Wisdom does not equal dishonesty, and innocence does not equal gullibility. We should strive to be gentle without being pushovers, and we must be sacrificial without being taken advantage of. We are aware of the unscrupulous tactics used by the enemy, but we take the high road. And what Dennis and I try to have is a deceptive mind, but not a deceptive heart. To be able to see what's going on and to call people on it. And quite often, once you call someone on it, then that friendship gets a little bit deeper and we can get the lies and the half-truths out of the way. And Okay, let's get down to business here. And there's a lot of respect that develops from that. So the expression that's common, and you've heard me say it up here a few times, the expression that's common nowadays in injustice and mercy speak is to refer to people who are homeless as our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. But I'm saying, what I say a more accurate descriptor is our neighbors who are struggling with hopelessness. Because not having a home or being unhoused implies that the solution to their circumstance is a lack of a secure domicile. There's not a problem with resources in Edmonton, in Alberta. Praise God. Like I said earlier, there's lots of food. For a single person, there's lots of housing. There's lots of money. And most of our, anyone on the, who's spent more than a week 
living on the streets of Edmonton knows where that, those resources are and how to access them. But what they lack again, I'll say it again, is hope. A hope that causes them to say yes when Jesus asks that question that he asks all of us, do you want to get well? In Matthew 6, he writes, Therefore, Jesus says, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. In his book, The Sermon on the Mount, R. Kent Hughes writes that if we are anxious about these things, we'll be just like the secular world. Hughes goes on to write, The characteristic tendency of, these, of those without Christ is to be bound by the horizons of the earth. Everything is crammed into the visible. Seeking his righteousness involves making his righteousness attractive in all areas of life, personal, family, material. So our vulnerable population, brothers and sisters, they need to know that they're understood by their creator, that they're known by God, their creator, and they are fully loved by their creator. 19th century preacher Charles Simeon provides a wonderful comment on the serpent and dove imagery. Now, the wisdom of the one and the harmlessness of the other are very desirable to be combined in the Christian character because it is by such a union only that the Christian will be enabled to cope successfully with his more powerful enemies. Powerful enemies. Enemies are not just Satan working through individuals. So who are our enemies in Edmonton? I would say one of the enemies in Edmonton, we have a problem in, in I'm going to say Edmonton because I only know about what we do for Edmonton. We have a problem here in that we have this, if you picture, massive box of Band-Aids. So when there's a problem, when there's an issue, when we see someone suffering, in any case, not just uh, uh, people struggling with homelessness, but Ukrainian refugees. Maybe some of you are here. Whatever's going on in the world, with this big, huge box of Band-Aids, and by that I mean money, tons and tons of tax dollars, tons and tons of money from wonderful churches like yourselves, and we just take another Band-Aid and we slap it on. And that's a distraction that I've, I've noticed that Satan is doing to distract us from what we can only do as individuals. And don't get me wrong, we need, we need um, long-term transitional housing. We need food. We need um, the Hope Rescue Van. We need shelters. We need treatments. We need detox. But it doesn't just stop there. 
That's what Isaiah is talking about in that scripture. See, people can only find hope and only know the gospel, however, whatever part of the gospel we're led to share. That only comes through through us. That only comes through community. That only comes when we have a desire to know and to be known. To enter into mutually vulnerable relationships. That's when our light shines. You see, Satan doesn't want our friends living on the street to know that their Father in Heaven loves them. We have a friend, Dennis and I have a a good friend that we met about a year and a half ago. And it was a Friday cold morning. Her name's Anna, and she was just a petite woman. And uh, we hadn't seen her before. And she was just walking down White Ave and all hunched over and shaky, and it was a cold morning. And the hopelessness prevailed, like just coming into her, her, her... her spirit was hopeless, and we started talking to her as we're walking um, down the street. And it turns out that she was staying at one of the shelters in the community during the COVID. It was at the church gym, and she had she was pregnant. She had had a baby while living. That obviously that baby had been taken away from her. Don't know all the details to that, and she has an addiction issue as well. And she's traumatized. She looked like what you'd see in, in um, First World War vets coming back, just just traumatized completely. And Dennis and I asked her if she wanted to come to breakfast, and and we went for breakfast, and we just talked to her, and we got to know her, and we shared about ourselves as well. And the spirit of God started moving. And then God brought us together with Anna often. And now we see Anna on the street. She's got a bounce in her step. A couple, a little while ago, she saw Dennis on the street and she stopped and said, Hey, Dennis, in a big, huge wave. We weren't the only, Dennis and I's um, friendship and love for Anna isn't the only thing that's. Um, that God is bringing into her life, but we're a component. We don't know what God is doing. But we're saying yes. I don't know what you're doing, God, but yes, okay, let's do this. In preparing this message, I sense God asking me a question. Why do we even want to make an effort? to become the image of Christ through mission. After all, if we're saved and we have eternal life, why go through all this emotional, spiritual, and all these ups and downs and doing missionary and pulling on our heartstrings and Jesus shining light into our brokenness? And Oh, you know what? I'm saved. That's good. I, I get to live with eternity with my loved ones and God. Well, Paul addresses that in Colossians 1. Are we okay here? Yeah. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ 
that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, and now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship with Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So we want people, brothers and sisters, don't we? We want other people to have what we as Christians hope for, reconciliation with our Creator, to live out our lives knowing at a heart level that God understands us, that He wants us, that He's chosen us, and that most of all, He loves us fully, not because of what we do or don't do, but because we are his beloved creation created in his own image. There are so many women who are struggling with hopelessness, living on the street, that think God is a God who condemns and shames and they're exactly where they're supposed to be. Many of our women friends out there have had multiple births, children born with fetal alcohol syndrome, some children, babies born dead, some taken away, put into the system, and they just, they do not, they believe in God, but they feel that God walked out of their hearts and their lives long ago and they're exactly where they should be, and they say no to getting well. They need to know that that's not true, that God loves them. I want to finish with this. In case you're thinking you're not equipped or don't have enough experience or God's, you're not aware of God's gifting, I can say this, that if you were born any time after the fall, by that I mean any time Adam and Eve did what they weren't supposed to do, then you're equipped. Church, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, when I hear a message like that, um, there's just a sense that I don't think it's enough to just say, okay, we're done, let's go have brunch and uh, carry on with our day. Um, I think a message like that calls us to respond in some way where we um, thank God for what he's done in our life and what he's doing in the life of our city. When for most of us, myself included, uh, this is the first time I met Aaron in person. We were exchanging emails a couple of times and um, trying to figure out actually how to get resources into their ministry and he's registered as a as a charitable organization under the under the title old strathcona abounding in love society um 
and yet everything that you talked about today, you were talking about the old Strathcona Street Mission. I think most of us have probably are familiar with that area of town, those kind of things. And uh, But I love that phrase, abounding in love, because we heard that over and over again. Um, you know, we talk so much about how God has called us as a church, as individuals, to be people who represent Jesus well wherever we are drawn, wherever he's called us. And if we had that attitude of, you know, you just called me to abound in love in this situation. So I don't know how God is stirring in your heart right now, but I want us to just take some time just in quiet reflection and prayer just to be thinking through that asking God, God, where is it that you're calling me to abound in love? Um, You know, hopelessness uh, is true for anyone without Christ. They may just not know it. They may mask it with all sorts of activity and stuff and all of these kind of things. But until we get to know our neighbors and, you know, it might be like the Anna walking down the street who looks completely hopeless. So who's God calling you to step into to bring love and hope uh, into their situation? You see, he hasn't called me to walk the streets of White Avenue in the same way maybe he hasn't done that for you. He's called Aaron and we can resource him. And one of the things I want us to pray for as well is just to pray for this ministry. Pray that the Holy Spirit would give those opportunities again and again and again. So take some time silently. And then maybe if you're sitting with a friend or uh, a spouse, maybe somebody you've never met, just look, are you okay? Just pray together. So let's just take a few minutes. Um, I won't stretch this out, but just take some time to pray and ask God, where are you calling me to abound in love? Where are you calling me to bring hope tomorrow? And, uh, and then pray for the ministry as well. Okay, church, so just take some time, and then um, I'll come back, and I think we're going to sing another song together just so that we can declare the praises of God the way he invites us to. So take some time to pray. Father, we're thankful for the work that you're doing in our lives, the life of our family, the life of our church, and the life of our city. Father, you are at work. You go before us. And even as we heard from Aaron this morning that so much of his and Dennis's work is just trusting in your spirit to lead and guide them, know when to cross the street, when to turn left, when to turn right. Father, we thank you for the the testimony of faith and trust, confidence that that you are at work in every individual's lives, no matter how broken they may be. Father, we're often quick to, uh, to rush by those opportunities for relationship. We're often quick to just get on with our agenda and our plan and Lord help us to be people who listen for your spirit's whispers so that we too would respond. Take the time to invite somebody for coffee or for breakfast and sit and hear their story as we even share ours. 
so I think of this invitation that we were challenged with today to enter into mutually vulnerable relationships. Father, that may not be on a street in Old Strathcona, or maybe it's downtown, or maybe it's right in Twilliger Town. Maybe it's somewhere in McGrath. Maybe it's somewhere on the west end of the city where we're just prompted to encourage somebody, to pray for somebody, to speak a hopeful word. So, Father, open our eyes to the work that you're doing. And I'm reminded of the psalm that's been just on my heart over these last few days even, and again this morning, and it just seems so appropriate, where the psalmist says, declare his glory among the nations. Mm-hmm. Father, that we bring glory to you by serving you, by being on mission, by being your people, sent out into a broken and hurting world that we can offer hope, turn people to Jesus. your marvelous deeds among all the peoples, Father, we want to be able to share and declare that. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness.